0: I love the way football makes me feel I feel really great playing it and kind of being creative with that and having fun on the pitch but yeah it's just that community it's a very kind of safe space and a really good sort of separation from like my work when I get there I can just like chat shit with the girls and and play a good match it's really good
1: Welcome to series two of Process Movement. I'm excited to share four new conversations with you that explore people's relationships to their creative practices, as well as how they move and are active in the world. In this season, we go from Western Australia to Mexico by way of the UK and across to Berlin. I got to reconnect with some old friends, learn about processes that really shifted my thinking and hear some wonderful and open stories about each of their journeys. If something sparks you in one of these episodes, please consider sharing it. That would mean a lot. Thank you and enjoy the listen. So yeah, thanks for coming along. Where are you at the moment for those who are listening in?
0: I am currently in Soho, London, um, in my office before work starts. Um, but yeah, I'm living in London, have been here for the last seven years. So the commute is currently North London to Soho, which is not bad, but it's very busy.
1: <laughs> but originally from Sydney?
0: Yes, I'm originally from Sydney. grew up on the North Shore, um, Northern Beaches of Sydney. So yeah.
1: So, um And work, what because we will all talk a bit about what you are doing, because I know that's kind of an interesting thing. What is work slash more like, what do you, how do you describe what you're doing?
0: So I run a women's football brand, but I kind of see it more as like a community. Um, we're basically just trying to increase the coverage of the women's game and also celebrate like more of the grassroots side of it. Um, And the fans side of it rather than covering like necessarily every moment of like the elite side of the game. And then it's not work, but it does, it is a large portion of my time is running Victoria Park Vixens, which is a women's football club in East London. Um, Recently launched a men's team as well, which is really exciting. But uh, first and foremost, it's a women's club. So yeah, that's kind of how I occupy a lot of my time.
1: So good. Um, So to go back a bit then, um, I mean, maybe for context, I think you and I met, um, I'm going to say like seven or eight years ago, maybe.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I was trying to remember on the way here. I couldn't remember.
1: And probably through the world of like making magazines, fashion, just kind of crossover between Sydney, Melbourne, creative pursuits and trying to figure out like what we were doing but probably i mean used to also run a magazine in from sydney right
0: yeah so in sydney i was running apathetic journal with anador anador walsh um which was also just kind of started as like an experiment like i was studying photography and media at uni at uts in sydney and um anador's a writer and we kind of just connected and we were like, you know, there's there's not enough going on for like young Sydney creatives that maybe, you know, don't have like a gallery or like an agent They just like want to make stuff and like have the opportunity to have it put somewhere. So we were just like looked into the logistics, thought about how we could make it kind of accessible and um, I guess not too like... Hypey, like we just mm. wanted it, it to be this, like what it was basically, just like a collection of work from young creatives across the whole of Australia, um, not just Sydney. And yeah, we hosted, you know, some exhibitions, some parties, and then had this this issue. Which I'm not going to say how often it came out because it didn't <laughs> stick to a rhythm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, mean, um, I, I know the same thing. It's like you have these goals like it's going to come out every two, twice a year on this day and it's like kind of an impossible task.
0: Exactly, exactly. But, yeah, it was an amazing way to like connect with people. Like a lot of my network back home is from Apathetic and the people that contributed and then their friends, the people that came to the exhibitions. And and obviously I think we connected during that time as well. Um, I think it was great to kind of (laughs) – just bring people together. And I also learned a lot in the process about, you know, putting on events, bringing people together, a magazine, obviously. Um, But yeah, it was, it was an amazing experience, definitely.
1: I think if you look at a lot of people that were featured in those issues have really gone on to do some pretty amazing things as well. So even just being a catalyst for people's like, starting points, is always like, really interesting to look back on or look forward to rather.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, yeah, Bryce Anderson is doing like amazing things now. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely gonna hold on to some original issues for for down the line.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean I'd look at I look back on like early the earliest good sports and definitely like cringe at like how we were writing and just some of the decisions we're making around like photo choices and I'm like, whoa. Like I was yeah. so stoked on that then. Um, it's quite almost like a funny, sometimes it's funny to look back on.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think there's there's definitely things in there that I'm like, hmm, interesting design choice, Morgan. <laughs> or like, yeah. I don't know, like loads of things. But yeah, so true. Yeah, if it felt right at the time, then that's all that matters.
1: Yeah, fully. So maybe just before that, leading up to even – going into that pathway of making things, being surrounded by like a kind of creative network. When did you decide to study like photo media and like where did how did that kind of come into your life through upbringing, you know, what, what influenced you or what kind of guided you into, into that type of direction?
0: Yeah, I think, so, so yeah, I grew up in Australia um, with British parents. So we moved to Australia when I was really little um and I guess like photography has just always been like a massive thing in my life um my dad has always been taking photos and I think when I was kind of maybe 13 or 14 I got my first like film camera was taught how to use it I was just like always obsessed with taking photos and like my parents say that like we used to always move house like really regularly when we lived in Australia. And my parents used to always say that they'd give me like a job when we were moving to like pack things. And all I would do was just sit there for hours and sort through all the photos and like archive them. And they were like, this is not a job, Morgan. We need you to pack boxes. But yeah, just like obsessed with photos always. Um, and then I think it wasn't until I was in high school. Um, I went to a very like North Shore classic school where photography as a degree was not exactly encouraged or even like offered as like an option you know when you go to like the dean and ask about like your university choices um but i don't know i guess i just yeah did my own research and was like actually that that's something that maybe i could like make a living off and obviously it it is hard as a photographer to like make it and i think that was stressed a lot to me that like it's not necessarily the easiest route um but yeah, I've just always been surrounded by you know, creative people and photography has always just kind of been like a focal point for that. And I think I really loved my my uni degree and all the people that I met through that. And I had some amazing professors there at UTS as well. But I think once I moved over to London after uni, like a combination of things, like it was really expensive to, to develop film. Yeah. And also... I didn't have any friends here yet. Like I didn't have anyone to take photos of, um, mm, which thing. was kind of my thing. Like, you know, I, I'm more taking photos of people and portraits and, you know, events and things like that. So I think I found it quite jarring to all of a sudden have no one to take pictures of and just be trying to shoot like the streets and things. Yeah. And you're like, um,
1: me. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. So I kind of like, Stopped for a while. Um, And I did feel like that was kind of missing. And I do still wish that I had more time to do it now. But I've definitely continued taking photos again recently, which has been really nice and really rewarding to do it like not for work anymore as well.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I guess it's something that can definitely always stay with you. And I guess I don't know how you see it as well, particularly with your outlets through victoria park vixens and through your work in football a lot of it can is maybe you can like explain a bit more but there's a lot of visual side to it as well um whether it's like social content films um general like photography and storytelling and this is probably like do you have much of a hand in that I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit because I I want to go back a little bit more But like do you have how how much of it, how much across the visual side of what you do are you involved in, like, now?
0: Um, yeah, all of it, I think. I think my teammates would probably laugh if they heard this <laughs> because they, like, they're just like, Morgan, it's just a photo. It's just a team photo. And I'm like, no, it's got to be right. Like, it needs to <laughs> capture this day and how we're all feeling right now. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm obsessed. I'm I'm all across, like, the visuals for Vixens, and I think it's been really interesting because it isn't work for me. It is is something I do purely for, like, the joy that comes from it and the people that I get to spend time with. And obviously I love playing football as well, but that's kind of, like, tertiary to the other stuff. Um, But, yeah, the creative side of it is, like, the most fun bit. Like, I love – treating vixens like it is like a really serious brand even though there it's not Mm. it is just a football club but I think there's something really fun in that like it doesn't have to always be super serious like you know you can like create a deck of like the mood board for the year or like the the color palette yeah. for a football club like it doesn't need to be something serious for you to like take it seriously yeah. um, and I think yeah I think it shows in kind of what we have done over the years as Vixens when I when I kind of look back at when we launched it is still it does still come across to me as like the same type of community that we always have been which I think is important like it hasn't kind of got carried away and become something that it's not so visually I mean so Mm. yeah
1: yeah that's interesting I mean does it kind of go back to say when you're making earlier projects like magazines and and working on like photo-based projects do you feel like now with something like the football club it is almost treated as the same way of working or not working but like making art essentially it just happens that you're like playing football
0: yeah definitely definitely I think like yeah it's it's interesting I think the creative side of it is definitely treated like maybe not a magazine but like you know everything is is thought about and considered and I think we have like such a massive like content. We see each other like twice a week. So we're always obviously just capturing like what's going on in the club. But when we do a more sort of structured or organized like shoot or a kit launch, or we're like working with a brand, I'm still kind of involved from that side because I guess I'm quite protective of like what our club is and what our community kind of stands for. And also like we've worked very hard to kind of create that. So I guess I'm quite protective when like a brand comes in and wants to work with us that like they're doing it justice and, Mm. you know, it's, it's authentic and even down to things like, you know, we've been on shoots before and they've been like, Oh, we need you all to to play with your hair out. And I'm like, well, that's just not what we do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like like, where's this coming from?
0: You know, just things like that. I think it's important to kind of have that visual eye because it does really reflect back on, like, who you are as a as a community and what you, even though it's not, I know it shouldn't all be optics and it, and it isn't just all optics, but, like, I think that is really important that you kind of yeah. protect how you come across.
1: Do you almost see it as, like, you're, you're, like, have a clear, like, say, for lack of a better word, like, yeah, art direction or a very clear visual kind of representation of who you are, but also just, like, an integrity to what the values of the club is as well. And, like, those two things are almost maybe one and the same in a
0: sense. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's always, like, interesting whenever someone new joins the team. You know, we often ask, like, oh, how did you hear about us or why why Vixens? Because there's so many amazing football clubs to join across um, not just London but the whole of the UK that are, you know, different sizes or different um levels of kind of skill or experience and like nine times out of ten the answer is like I just really liked like the vibe on Instagram like the vibe that you guys give give out is like relaxed not taking yourselves too seriously but still like play football and I think that's really important like we obviously are competitive on the pitch, but like we don't take it seriously. We don't really warm up. We're just like mm-hmm. all chatting and like we all kind of work in similar fields. So there's a lot of like talk about that. Um, and it is very like any ability can come and play and come and join. And I think that does definitely come across visually in, in how we present ourselves. So, yeah, the integrity and the creativity definitely align.
1: Yeah, so true. Yeah, it makes me really think, very, very similarly of how we approach AMPM as the running crew, Um, and literally like exactly what you said, like applies to how we've always done things. And the reason why people often will reach out because they're like, oh, I really love like how it looks on like aesthetically. Because obviously, if they're not, if they don't see you physically first, that the first point of contact is usually through Mm -hmm. some sort of online platform and generally speaking that's going to be instagram um because we don't use tiktok um kind of thing for anything like that um so yeah that's really interesting um maybe then for context what is what was the premise of starting victoria park vixens and what what led you there like from you know from sydney into london like what how much of a gap was there like what is the details around like how you got there essentially?
0: Yeah, so um, I've played soccer my whole life growing up in Australia, like at school and outside of school, and it's always been like definitely my favourite kind of sport, my, my biggest, like my longest sport commitment I would say. Obviously I've dabbled in netball and basketball and all that, but soccer has always been like the main thing for me. Um, and then I played at uni finished, finished up in Australia and moved over to London. And I mean, I guess again, like London is so transient and like quite hard to meet people and quite hard to make friends. And, um, I'm really sounding like a sad, lonely person when I first moved here, but it's it's true. It's, it's really hard apart from like your workplace. Did you move you in at, have...
1: at all by chance? Sorry? Did you move at when winter was beginning at all by chance?
0: It actually was. I think I moved in January, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah. So that's like um, a big, miserable time when no one's hanging out.
0: Exactly. Although it was definitely like the first few weeks I was like, I've made a huge error here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, Yeah. I guess, yeah, if, you, if you're if you working with people who aren't, you know, like-minded to you or, like, aren't interested in the same things, that's also hard. If you don't have any mutual friends, like, we were kind of, when we moved here, really starting from scratch. And the idea of kind of joining an existing football team was quite intimidating to me because, obviously, you know, they have their own sort of existing, like, Click and like, um, connection there. And I think this was also, you know, 2017, 2018, we're talking now where like women's football was nowhere near at the, at the place that it is now, there must've been like 10% of the teams there is in London now. Um, So I just kind of continued like playing as a ringer for different teams and kind of making sure that I was still getting like some football in, but I didn't really feel like I was joining like a community because I don't think that there was really the infrastructure at the time either in London to kind of enable that. It was a lot more sort of like, you call it like pickup in Australia, like just like, yeah, like pickup style. So not that like connected. Um, And then eventually I was just like, you know what, why don't I just start my own? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that was, yes, very start of 2019. And I basically did an Instagram call out um, on my own Instagram stories. And then some people like messaged their friends who they knew played football or wanted to play. Um, And then the next day we met in Victoria Park in Hackney and there was like five of us. And we had one ball and everyone was just wearing like trainers and stuff. Like we had no idea what we were doing Yeah. in terms of like running a drill. We didn't know how many people were going to come. And I think the amazing thing about that first day, which I still just think is so great is that like none of us knew each other. Like we, it was literally like five people on a blind date meeting in a wow. park. <laughs> like <laughs> obviously people, some people followed each other on Instagram for years or whatever, but like yeah. no one had ever met in person. And I think that was like, amazing that, like, we were all living so close and all wanted to do the exact same thing, but, like, all we needed was, like, someone to just suggest it. Mm, um, mm. So, yeah, that was 2019 and there was five of us and now 2023 we've got, like, 55 um, in the squad. So, yeah, Whoa. it's amazing. It's massive.
1: How does that work then in terms of is there – does it get broken up into multiple teams or, like, levels? Like, yeah. I don't really – like. My level of football understanding only comes through good sport and we're usually just mucking around with, like, weird ideas that don't really talk to the infrastructure of the game kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then I guess my only other point of reference is, like, how we run, like, our running crew, which is maybe, I don't know if it has any parallels, but there's, like, a certain amount of organisation and, you know, we we can kind of mobilise to do things and there's some sort of set plan, but ultimately people are still have their own autonomy on like turning up and doing their own thing. But, yeah, how does it work with that many people and structure-wise and stuff?
0: Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, like the logistics is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm sure you can can appreciate that with the run club. Um, But it's really important to me and to like the whole team that like – I guess a lot of people are coming back into playing football from, you know, years off. They fell out of love with it when they were a teenager, or they've maybe never played before because it hasn't been accessible to them as a woman, or so many other different barriers. That for us, it's so important that, like, our structure or our kind of like rules, if you will, um, don't intimidate someone or put them off playing because we want everyone to play in whatever capacity like works for them or like whether that's logistically in their own personal schedules or whether what they feel comfortable sort of committing to so we kind of follow like an availability over ability structure which basically just means you know if you're free you will put your name down and you'll get put on the team that day, like the first people to do so rather than like, oh, guys, we really need to win this match. We need like the three best players up the front. Like it's mm. just, it's more just who's there and you obviously have to, there's fees that we have to pay to the league that we play in. So everyone pays the registration at the start of the season, but you don't have to play every match. You don't have to be there every week. And also people are just busy now. Like,
1: Right, right. yeah
0: everyone goes away like it's so easy to end up missing like four matches just from like other things that you have going on in your life so yeah the the structure is really important to me that obviously I don't want people's time like wasted who are like helping organize things Mm -hmm. but I also want to keep it as fluid as possible and let people kind of drop in and out with what suits them and and what they feel comfortable with so yeah but it is definitely a a balancing act (laughs)
1: Yeah, I guess it's like forever ebbing and flowing, right, depending on, I mean, what kind of changes have you noticed since starting, you know, 2018-19? And, yeah, I I mean, from my point of view or perspective, like looking at what you do, you're very very close to particularly women's football Mm -hmm. um, and have played what I see like a pretty big role in shifting people's understanding perspectives and and participation within that world. Um, Like what, what things have, I guess maybe two questions, like what things did you want to change when you kind of first started and did that happen and then what things did you kind of naturally see change over say the last four or five years?
0: I think I really wanted to... Like I said, how I'd, you know, kind of dabbled playing for like a ringer, playing as a ringer for different teams and stuff. I really wanted to create something that was like more social and more like, you know, just making it cool to play football as a girl. Like it doesn't need to be this like super serious or, you know, rock up, play and then go home and no one chats type thing. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that already existed in the men's game where, you know, they go to the pub afterwards and there's this whole kind of community around it, but I really wanted to create something that, you know, people were excited to go and chat. And even if they weren't playing, they would come and watch. And we would get kits and design them and do like fun shoots and have merch and all this. Like there was teams that existed already ahead of us who did amazing things in sort of the participation and the access um, perspective. But I was really keen to kind of, I don't know, I guess just make something that was more of like a social community and also have the potential to kind of operate as an agency down the line as well. Like bringing yeah. all these people together from the different creative fields, which is something that we've been doing unofficially. Um, yeah. You know, we've gotten to a place now where our brand as Victoria Park Vixens is is kind of established enough that when we work with a brand, we have our own creative like on the shoot things like this I think that that was kind of a big goal for me was to get to a place where we were operating as kind of this creative social entity in some way Mm. yeah
1: yeah that's really interesting I guess um and have has that been kind of received well I mean naturally I guess it looks like it was like the growth of the team in terms of like people wanting to be involved um do you Do you come up with any challenges within that in terms of, I guess, yeah, working with brands and and pursuing the creative side while also just organising a team? Like how does that look
0: like? Yeah, there's definitely been like obstacles. I think also, you know, some people have kind of this opinion that – oh, like it's kind of like all the gear and no idea or like, oh, you guys just care about like having nice kits or like, mm-hmm. you know, when like people make fun of like a cyclist that spends loads of money on on their yeah. bike and their gear or a runner who buys like ridiculously okay. expensive shoes gear. or whatever. Yeah. And it's kind of like that's fine if, if some people just want to like exercise and just have the, the, the joy of that and don't care about what they're wearing or how that looks or sounds. But – I think for me like there's no harm in that like if you get extra joy out of combining those two things then why not like and that's yeah I think that's been like maybe the biggest obstacle is just kind of like not wanting to look like we're taking ourselves like too seriously and we think that we're like something that we're not because we know at the end of the day we are just like literally a soccer club that plays in like an amateur five-a-side league yeah um that's really
1: interesting, eh? like, do you ever do you think maybe that people have maybe I don't know what the right word is, but like, you just see, you think, oh, it's football, so you have to be doing it this way. You have to be training, you have to be winning, you have to be playing like a club kind of thing, mm-hmm. rather than bringing in fashion and style and creativity and working on anything else you decide to do within that. And I guess. I don't know, is it – are you almost like trying – do you need to educate people or do you just like let them be and you just kind of do what you need to do? Because we've definitely struggled with that in the crew side of things where sometimes we would joke and be like, oh, it's like style over miles. Like you can dress as – like the style almost came first. Yeah. And Some people were just naturally good at running, so that's kind of cool, but it doesn't really matter. Like you can sit on the side and just – drink a coffee at the track if you want you don't have to go for a run that day if you didn't really want to kind of thing um but maybe you just look great doing it so it's kind of yeah yeah
0: yeah i think that's all part of it and i think obviously recently the whole kind of like soccer girl look has become like very on trend as well um but i yeah i don't know i just have no shame in being like what what pair of like predators am i gonna wear today that matches the shorts the best like i like putting that whole look together and I think it makes you feel better and then you play better. Um, You know, like if I'm wearing a pair of shorts that are not like comfortable or I don't like them, then I'm not going to play my best. And I kind of, I like the way that the whole thing kind of comes together. I like all the sort of paraphernalia around football and all of that side of it, I think also like makes a club, like everything down to like the scarf and the stickers and like everything that we're thinking about. It kind of builds the outer bit and then obviously makes you perform better and I think you know I think people have definitely thought that there's things that we've done that is a bit unnecessary for just like a football club but then yeah I think the two things (laughs) pardon
1: but then who cares right
0: exactly I think the two things can coexist like you know teams can can play that don't even want a kit and you don't need to have like a full strip. You can just rock up and whatever works for them. But I think the the two can definitely exist. And I think if you find joy out of being super creative with it, then there's no reason not to.
1: Yeah. I mean also with a place like London and, and particularly even other major cities, like there's room for everything. Right. And yeah. it's, I still find it weird when people like, question or or don't understand why there's something new coming along and you're like well change is definitely it's inevitable obviously but like hey there's enough room here there's like plenty of football pitches there's 24 hours in a day uh you know and this actually i'm reminded of like years and years and years ago now like seven eight years ago with something with the running crew we'd done like a brand thing and we've always been pretty small like 25 well between say 30 and 40 people give or take Mm -hmm. And we had like this massive influx of people wanting to join it was like 200 people from this brand thing we did and we were like holy shit this is hectic like and we had to send this big email saying like hey we're so sorry like we we can't actually have you come along because it would actually make it really unfair for you it would just not be fair. Like you wouldn't get the same enjoyment out of it if we just brought you along. So, but you're welcome to go and start your own thing. And you know, you should meet up with each other. Blah blah blah. And we got all this backlash from it because like, oh, you're not being accepting. You're not bringing us in. And we're like, wait, like what the hell? Like there's so much room for you to like create yeah. your own things and make them unique. And yeah, I think that's that's maybe one side of it as well. And yeah, do you have any? do you have you seen maybe on part of that kind of change of things do you are you seeing new kind of teams pop up and and like how is that kind of community growing and shaping and changing at the moment? yeah
0: definitely I mean every kind of year there's like an increase and we definitely have kind of over expanded I think you know around after the women's world cup in France in 2019 we kind of expanded really quickly because we had all these people that wanted to join. And obviously that was super exciting. And we were just like keen to let everyone in and, and be able to play as much football as possible. But then I guess to your point, like the logistics side of that, when you're not operating as a full club with like, you know, funding and and a treasurer and like all these things is that like, it then becomes less fun for everyone, um, including myself, because, Mm you're managing trying to get pitch time and trying to get, um, you know, game time for like way too many people for how many spots you have in the league. And then if the league hasn't caught up to you and they haven't, ex- haven't expanded yet, we can't put any more Vixens teams in the league. Like we currently have two teams in the same league and we um, play each other. <laughs>
1: yeah. Wow. That's so interesting.
0: So, So, yeah, we we kind of made a decision as a club to sort of cap it at around the 50 mark. And obviously, like you say, that ebbs and flows, people move out of London, people, um, you know, their circumstances change, they get injured for a whole season. So we do kind of have people coming in and out, but the core is definitely like, you know, the same sort of 30 people. And I think it's important to do that also to sort of just – keep it as what it is I think when you overexpand something it does kind of get watered down or things change or you lose control of like the amazing thing that you created so I think mm-hmm. that has definitely been something we've struggled with because also like I don't want to turn any woman away from playing football yeah, but, yeah. like practically speaking like we just cannot take in any more people at this point until we get more leagues like if we were to enter an 11 a side league I would love to be able to let in like another 20 people or something but yeah but I think it's definitely expanded massively over here like outside of Vixens so after the Euros last year over here in the UK the participation increase was absolutely huge so There's been loads more teams popping up, which we're obviously excited about as well, because we're excited to start playing new teams. We've been playing kind of the same teams for a while now. (laughs) And it's exciting to like meet new people. We all like go to the pub together after the matches, like with the opposition, we all meet and kind of network together, go to the same parties and stuff. So it's, it's really exciting when all these new teams pop up. And also just having more places to direct people to if we can't have them on yeah. distance. Like, oh, we know this amazing team. They're all about this. And, you know, just even like, redirecting right?
1: hey, I can't travel that far. But like, maybe this is there another team around type thing, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of that. And I think, yeah, I think, like you said before, there's so much space for it. There's There's so much demand and, you know, the leagues can't expand until the more teams are set up. So, like, the more teams, the better, basically. There's definitely enough girls out there who want to play.
1: Yeah. I mean, on that then, like, when you started and what were the kind of barriers that you faced, if any, or, like, what were the weird hurdles and apprehensions in starting a team? And are they the same now? Or, like, do you have any, like would you say give any advice or any like thoughts on like how people can get over those barriers I I mean I yeah and I've got another question after that actually so yeah what do you what was that like for you
0: I think one of the main things that I got quite like anxious about when I was setting it up was like oh I've obviously played football all my life but I've always just kind of been like a passenger in that process like I've never understood like how to book a pitch how to like take the registration and like sort all that out like I've never kind of run something before and I think you know like I said when it was just the five of us in the park I was like oh this is so chill Mm. but then once you like join a league and you expand all of a sudden you're like there's so much to organize like we need to get like the kits the equipment like first aid, like all these things, like just the sort of admin side of things that I guess that stressed me out a bit at the start. But then I was just like, no one actually cares. Like the people that are coming to play and be a part of this community don't care what the pitch is like that we've booked, you know, like everyone was just happy to pitch in and be a part of it. And I think those kind of like logistical stresses were quickly sort of dissolved once we created that vibe in the team. Um, But I guess, you know, women's football, like is still massively restricted by the men's game, especially here in the UK. So like there's a lot of sort of male gatekeepers that sort of block access to pitches or also just access to information as well. It's quite hard to kind of find out who you need to speak to, to enter a tournament or who you need to speak to, to book a pitch at Hackney Marshes. Like, there was a lot of people that kind of get in the way of those processes for women's teams, especially, you know, smaller ones who don't have like an official treasurer, like I said, Mm. or someone like that to manage that. So yeah, that's definitely a barrier that still exists, but I think it's definitely getting better Mm. after the Euros and especially this year after the world cup, I'm sure it will be even better. And obviously brands like Adidas are like very involved in that pitch access conversation over here in the UK. So yeah it is getting better but it's definitely still a thing
1: yeah yeah that's that's shitty right i mean it's like you can you're still trying you're working hard to make those changes but ultimately the person on the other side has to be open to changing as well and if they don't do it then it's like really hard to like just be sitting there going hey come on like you know that's really annoying eh?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, it's to your point, it's like there's space for everyone. It's just a case of like challenging people's like existing understanding of like what football is and what it should be on like all levels. But I think, you know, on like a Saturday, let's say like there is enough pitches everywhere. It's just a case of like moving people around, figuring out like how we can open this up and, and you know maybe the men play at a later time so the women can play at a safe time it's like all these things that need to be considered but to your point everyone just needs to be on board and kind of see the change as a positive and not like threatened like I think there's definitely a lot of like male football fans slash like trolls on the internet who almost feel like threatened by like the lionesses winning the euros because they're like oh great my football pitch is now going to be like taken up by little girls playing football you know and it's like yeah it's wild but I think sadly like that exists because like football is like such an ancient traditional sport here that's just existed in this very like toxic masculine space and I think it's slowly breaking out of that but there's definitely some still some people on the other side.
1: Yeah. Do you ever kind of stop and think? Like, I mean, this is maybe just from my perspective. Like, sometimes I feel like I'm in such a bubble in our like new wave running world, and then I look at the mass of it, and I'm like, oh, it's so different to yeah. what's actually going on. And do you ever feel like that in your world of football?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think obviously we're very lucky, like playing in Hackney, which is obviously like a very sort of forward area of London and like there's leagues and there's infrastructure around that. But sometimes I, you know, read about things online or other teams in other places who like can't even get a pitch. Like they're still playing like in the park without floodlights and things like this. And obviously, you know, yeah, we, we we're very privileged and very lucky in our experience as Vixens, but I think it's definitely kind of heartbreaking when you hear girls from around the world who can't play football for whatever reason um yeah i think the bubble is definitely it definitely exists i think it's important to kind of stop sometimes and recognize like guys we get to play football twice a week on mm. like really nice pitches it's safe mm. We're all welcome um yeah
1: yeah that's so that's true right? i mean it's like getting that those perspective shifts and understandings can like still help you drive your purpose forward as well, which is really cool. Um, so over the last few years, then for you in your world of safe football and and creating things specifically within football, um, what is some what's like a highlight or a story that you always go and kind of go back to, or something that really lights you up about? that you got to create and you were like super stoked on?
0: Yeah, I think, hmm. Hmm. That's really interesting. There's so many fun things. Um, I think, and this sounds so like basic and I'm probably going to regret this answer, but <laughs> we, we made these tote bags like quite early on. Like it must have been after the first year or the first nine months or something. And we had this idea where we were like, if we can find these dimensions, someone that makes these tote bags in the dimensions that can carry, like, a football and then, like, stuff next to it rather than on top of or underneath. Mm -hmm. Like, this was, like, super specific. Yeah, we created this tote bag where we found these specific dimensions where you could carry, like, a ball and stuff next to it rather than on top of or underneath Um, with, like, really, like, premium strong handles, a really simple... um, Victoria Park Vixens in our typeface that doesn't even have like the crest or anything on it. Mm. And they have just been a consistent thing for our club where like people are always asking us for them, when are they going to be restocked? And like, I was like driving in West London, like miles away from where I live the other week. And I just saw this woman on the street carrying one. And I was like, I don't know you. I took a photo of her from the car. I sent it to the team and I was like, does anyone know this woman? And everyone was like, nah. So Whoa. it's just like, Amazing. Like things like that. I think it's just so simple and like, it's actually a really good like product and we thought about it and what it, what purpose it serves. Um, so that's definitely one, but I think our latest kit that we launched last year, our away kit, which is this like green and gold, which is quite an Australian reference, which I don't know if all my teammates have clocked onto, (laughs) but it's kind of like our Aussie away kit. Um, And that's, yeah, that's like something I'm really proud of. And the way that we kind of shot that with Serena Brown, who's like an amazing photographer over here. I think she really like captured where the club was at when we launched that kit and how we were all kind of feeling at that time, which was like very inspired post-Euros and very excited about like us and the club and, and women's football. And when we shot that kit, we just like, invited her to hang out with us for the day like there was no kind of shot list or structure it was just like just arrive and you'll see kind of what the vibe is and capture us and she did such an amazing job
1: that's so cool um that actually makes me think a little bit more about your I guess creative process or just creative vision for both the club and maybe just like your own interests in general around football like I know you've worked obviously coming from like a visual background and then have working with like bigger brands and, and just through some of your more like professional kind of work, what's, how do you like to make things happen creatively um, in particularly in football or just with, with your own kind of ideas around it? Like, do you have a particular way of working or do you like to play a particular role or, Yeah, what does that look like for you?
0: Yeah, I think for me, I'm definitely like a huge fan of like a reference. Um, (laughs) I just have like loads of like archives on my computers and hard drives and like Pinterest constantly. Like I'll always remember like an image that I've seen or some obscure reference that could have like nothing to do with football necessarily, but it's more just like what that, how that resonates with me and how we could like apply it. And I think my process is always, even with the football stuff, is always just like trawling through like old references and archives from outside of football, definitely within like the women's space or like women's football space. Um, But yeah, always that. And then kind of, taking it to the wider team or like the smaller sort of creative team within the club and being like, here's a bunch of references I found. This is what I'm thinking. And everyone's like, where on earth have you found these images from? Um, but yeah, I think it definitely for the club specifically, it's really important to like chat with everyone. I don't want it to be like Morgan's vision mm. <laughs> and they're all just like forced to wear some kit
1: like, Australian <laughs> kit we don't get it
0: exactly exactly I think it's really important to like bounce ideas off everyone and have everyone involved and kind of have an opportunity to input along the journey um but yeah I guess my role kind of takes form as some sort of like creative director at Vixens um yeah we have like I said like an amazing like graphic designers photographers etc like within the team so um it's quite easy for us to kind of all put our heads together and come up with something because we all play for the club so we instantly get it whereas I think if we're trying to achieve something and we're hiring like a freelancer to come in it's maybe harder to like get them to capture exactly what we're thinking Mm. So yeah, Mm. that's kind of the process. It's a real all hands on deck thing.
1: Yeah. And I guess, does that come into a little bit that protecting what you've built as well and how you decide and curate like who does what and and when and when the right time is to, to do stuff, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. I think that's really important that we don't like change things too rapidly or add in too many, too many different components or too many different thoughts at any point. But yeah, I mean, we've had our current like crest and our current identity, um, which when it was created, was really mocked together quite quickly because we were just like, got the, got the opportunity to make a kit, um, with a brand and we were like, okay, we need a crest like ASAP and a name. Um, yeah. but You know, it's been, like, what, three or four years now. And although we, like, still really love that, we kind of feel like Vixens has, like, expanded beyond um, just a football club. And this is getting quite, like, heavy football design talk. But, like, the way that our crest is, like, a circular crest as our kind of only option as like, a logo feels very, like, football Mm. and we kind of want to have like a brand refresh where our identity is now more of just like a brand and a bit more in like the lifestyle space and less linked to football through having it as a round crest. Yeah. So we're going through a brand refresh at the moment which is really really exciting. Um
1: that's I can't wait to see it.
0: Yeah, and I think that's going to like take a bit of a turn for us as well. And I think it's time for that as well. I kind of been waiting and sitting on that for a while, so I think we're ready to kind of evolve a bit which is exciting
1: Mm, yeah that's great I mean totally I love that thinking and have the same sentiments and vision in what we do with AMPM and my main reference for everything is I always look at like Jill Sander and how as like a brand and label and fashion house have always like done things and every design reference I'm like oh we've got to put the logo here because like that's how they do it and like yeah. i want to have imagery more like that rather than like just removing ourselves more from like the running world yeah. which mm-hmm. and maybe you've seen this as well like there's like this big popularity in and in, in, in and in a really positive way like more and more people running and in the same sense more and more people playing football and there's like it becomes really saturated visually so you're like okay what are we doing that's still us but uniquely different from the mass the new mass i guess um and that's kind of like maybe on top of my mind a lot in that world
0: yeah yeah definitely i think also we're always thinking like let's make sure that we're looking at references outside of football like we shouldn't only be looking at other teams at our level but also like other professional teams because lots of professional teams aren't doing anything interesting no, yeah. Um, yeah yeah i think They're it's right, important right. to look at like even just like you know um skincare brands like we're looking mm. at like all sorts of different references for how brands are kind of putting themselves across and yeah i think that's important i'm just like thinking back to some of our early vision boards and there was like there was like an a like amazing like russian gymnast from like the 80s like her all of her like leotards that she wore that was like on the kit references (laughs) at the very start so yeah just really beyond football i think is important beyond your kind of sphere
1: yeah yeah i love that i think it's important for sure and that always kind of breeds like a unique way of doing things like remixing and stuff like that um Maybe quickly talking a bit about because like your, I, from what I see your whole world is f- football and so your new ish job or mm-hmm. job your current job is, is also football like based. So what is like what is that and, and like yeah where do you, how do you see yourself in that world and, and what's your kind of like drive and vision and, and why you kind of entered more into that world as well?
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, it is fairly new, I guess. I've only been working here for like a year or a year and a bit. Um, And it was something that I really considered because a lot of people say like, if you work in what you love, like if you work in your passion, it can like ruin it for you. Um, So I think that was definitely something that I was like a bit hesitant about making everything football. And then obviously the lines between like Vixens and my work were we're obviously, going to become quite blurred because I was working in that world now professionally. Um, so, yeah, I guess what I actually do is I run the women's football brand at um, a company called Football Co., which owns a few different publications. So, they're in like Mondial Magazine, Gold.com, and then other um, publications and brands around the world. So Indivisa is the women's brand that I started here as well. So I actually like set it up, did the strategy behind it and all of that. Um, And the aim for the brand is basically just to create a space that's like from a female point of view. So when we were thinking of all of the kind of strategy behind it and the research, like even though the coverage of the women's game was increasing, it was still all coming from like a male point of view and the industry is so male-dominated still. Mm -hmm um so the idea was that it would all be like written by female fans photographed, designed all of that um making sure that that was at like the heart of everything that we do and I think that really comes across and I think we've created something really special where we're covering like everything that matters to the female fan and we're doing it in quite a relaxed authentic way that doesn't feel like it's coming from like a news publication so yeah that's um that's what I do
1: whoa that's so cool um do you have any what's is there any kind of projects you can talk about that that you're kind of excited by or that makes sense to talk about in what mm-hmm. I guess we are leading into the World Cup at the moment yeah. here in Australia it's kind of like that's literally what's on top of mind particularly in my world as a photographer what brands are talking about um so yeah what's what's new or what's exciting or what are you kind of pushing for currently in that world
0: yeah so i think you know looking ahead to the women's world cup in in july and august we're trying to find as many sort of amazing creators and creatives writers graphic designers etc all around the world that we can get involved in like our content and like i said we really want it to be coming from like a female or non-binary lens, like making sure that it's all inclusive. And that's actually not as easy as it sounds to Mm -hmm. find like that many women that want to kind of work in the football space. And like for obvious reasons, it's, it's quite an intimidating world and previously they haven't really been welcome. So it is still growing, but because the game is so massive and the Women's World Cup is so huge, it is quite a challenge to find people who aren't already working somewhere or aren't already, like, tied into something else because it's not the same mass as it is in the men's game in terms of people in the industry. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I'm really working on and I'm really passionate about trying to encourage more people to, like, get involved. Um, but the other thing we're doing that's really exciting is one thing that I kind of remember when I was younger being a, a soccer fan and, like, getting up really early to watch the soccer roots and stuff is that there was no, like... Um, how do you call it? Like kind of like paper applications or anything for like female soccer or like female fans. Like there was no poster of the Matildas when I was growing up, there was no like sticker book, any yeah, of that I sort know. of thing. Um, and like, you know, I don't, I don't hate that I have this like huge Tim Cahill poster on my <laughs> wall, but it would have been nice to have some female players, yeah, you know, even I like, like us players. Um, and so we're basically creating this like wall chart for the women's world cup. That's going to have obviously all of the stuff like the fixtures and and all of that and the time zones, because that's just like really blown everyone's mind in the UK that there's like multiple time zones in Australia and New Zealand. Um, yeah. So it's going to be this like beautifully designed big broadsheet that will have like a reverse poster on it. That's basically just like a celebration of the women's world cup that acts as like something you could frame and have up all the time after the tournament so yeah it was just it sounds like something really simple and obvious but i was really excited to create some sort of like collectible items this year for the women's world cup for like fans to kind of have that are my age that didn't have when they were younger like those everyone loves like a sticker and like posters and all that sort of thing
1: um yeah i think that's great i mean I think there's always something in like a memento or a takeaway or something you can hold on to as like a memory, particularly if there's like like a artistic or creative kind of input into it and it's not just like pure information.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: Then it's like really interesting to be able to do. And that's kind of what I've always thought sport needs more of is the, the artistic side of it and celebrating like different stories and all the rest of it in that I think, yeah, I think that'd be really exciting can come wait to see that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we've, we've, we've worked with Marnie Cox on it, who's an illustrator here in the UK, to basically create, like, our version of, like, a mascot for the Women's World Cup. So this, like, female figure who's amazing. Like, I can't really describe it, but you'll see yeah, she's, cool. she's really cool because I think, you know, nowadays, and I don't know why they do this, but, like, FIFA, UEFA, the Olympics just create these really weird, like – avatar animal style mascots
1: nondescript in a weird way like in a way yeah just choose the like something that's kind of weird and quirky but in the safest way possible kind of i don't know quite weird
0: which kind of like ends up resonating with no one yeah Um, yeah.
1: i can't even recall like what the tokyo olympics one was or like any previous kind of major mascot because i'm like they are kind of just like a blob really
0: yeah exactly yeah i think i've always been like obsessed with a mascot and obviously like sydney 2000 mascots are amazing like Sid, ollie and love it can't remember the other one iconic. but yeah
1: the 2000 is like iconic it, like yeah through, regardless if you're from sydney or not
0: yeah absolutely um and i think yeah, I just thought that was a really fun idea for us to, like, create our own and then use her as, like, a motif across, like, everything. She's going to be, like, almost like a mascot is, like, a bit of, like, a tacky thing as well as part mm. of sport. It's like... It's like I think that's, that a bit. Yeah, I think it's quite fun having, yeah. having this little mascot that we use on everything. So, yeah. That's
1: sick. I love that. I'm, I reckon running needs more mascots,
0: maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually interesting about what we're saying about the Olympics, because... Another like part of my, I guess, exercise and movement is like exercising like alone, so separate from the team. I go to this gym in London called Fit As, and I'm so
1: it, it, Oz, Ozzy.
0: <laughs> I know, right? That's what I thought. I was actually expecting the trainer to be Australian when I got yeah. there, but it's all inspired by the LA Olympics. Um, cool. So, but not even like the obvious things like more like the turnstiles where people entered has been like recreated in like the corner of the gym like it's like incredible and the guy who runs it is just like you know like us, like obsessed with like archives and like these images really specific things and I think I find that a really inspiring place to like work out as well because it is all connected to his like visual idea like he's playing like amazing like hip-hop music all the time and kind of on when you follow them on social media it's all these like amazing reference videos from the olympics and then when you go there you're like this is cool i feel great being here and i see like the whole inspiration behind it so yeah that's kind of my other my other um, point of reference which i love
1: that's sick you can start like a, a football specific gym one day with like all the references and like have a clubhouse
0: oh my yeah God. I would love that I'm Dang. actually obsessed with the idea of a clubhouse
1: yeah that'd be so good that makes me kind of segue because as you were talking about um the gym um I did want to ask you about your current relationship to movement and activity outside of the club and training with the team and what is like what's your movement relationship I guess at the moment
0: um yeah I mean I'm sort of I'm I think quite similar to you in the sense that I kind of have to always be moving I find it hard to go a day or two without exercising so play football once or twice a week. Um, And then on top of that, I like to do kind of like hit training, circuits, Pilates, running. Um, And how that works is I usually just go to like classes um, or I'll do it by myself or with a friend in the park. But it's definitely something that I always find time in the day to do because I know that I'll get into bed at night and I either won't sleep or I'll be like really like, anxious and feel like I haven't like completed enough in the day you know it's like my kind of decompression or like preparing like sometimes I'll do it before work and I use that time to kind of just like get my head sorted um before I arrive at work but yeah it's definitely a very frequent I'm a frequent exerciser but I'm not doing it for anything other than the fact that I enjoy it
1: yeah yeah that's so that's so true I definitely get like pretty grumpy if I haven't moved enough in a day and can really feel it. And yeah, there's definitely like one side of it, like, yeah, training is cool and having a goal, but most of it's definitely around the, the enjoyment and the, just the, that journey of it kind of thing. Has it changed much for you say over the last like handful of years, particularly around going through a pandemic and stuff? Like have you noticed any shifts in like your relationship to activity in recent years
0: yeah I mean during the pandemic I was like loving how much time I had to like exercise and I felt like I could finally get into running properly as well um and I I loved that and I was like oh my god I'm going to keep this up when the pandemic is lifted and all this but when life went back to normal, I found it really frustrating. I was like, how can I not find the time? Like I did, like, how am I struggling? But it was like, there was nothing to do Morgan. You were stuck in your flat. Like, of course there was time. Um, So I think that's something I find hard, like in London as well. And this sounds like a very kind of pathetic problem to have, but like, it's hard in like the evenings, like everyone's socializing and going out and you can't have, like, a pint in the afternoon. Well, I can't anyway. Have, mm-hmm. like, a pint in the afternoon and then work out in the evening afterwards. Mm-hmm. But then if you have, like, multiple pints in the evening, you can't work out the next morning at 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah. And, it's like, insane, yeah. you're so <laughs> you're so jam-packed in London that, like, you really do have to wake up at, like, the crack of dawn if you want to work out that day. Yeah. Like, it's um,
1: I guess the it's definitely- fabric is so tightly part of your living regardless Mm -hmm. of your what you do for work or what you do your background and everything like that social fabric is just huge I think
0: yeah exactly and I think I guess also the reason why I like doing it via classes is because what I am feeling quite overwhelmed about like my work such personal schedule I know that if I book in the classes I'm locked in like I Mm. have to be there at those times and it's more structured whereas if I'm leaving it to myself to be like get up and go for a run at this time it's it's less likely to happen
1: (laughs) yeah exactly I mean yeah that's it does take a different kind of discipline to to do that because yeah no one's telling you like or like I mean if you're paying for a class as well it's like exactly that's like that's a waste of money if I just like didn't turn up kind of thing
0: yeah exactly
1: Whereas like, you're not really paying for a run kind of thing yeah i find i've always found that as well it's always kind of interesting um, i guess also
0: with the run club you're like there's also an accountability there which is the same with vixens like yeah if we arrange something i can't not show up yeah so that's exactly. that also works the same way which is good
1: yeah yeah i mean a lot of my life is like running with people um but i do need to run by myself or trained by myself just for my own like solo time otherwise i'm just like going insane a little bit yeah I'm around people like 24 7 you know classic introvert extrovert behavior um <laughs> kind of thing you know yeah
0: like, i feel I you I want to hang
1: out with you but also i just want to be by myself
0: yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so true.
1: Um, One last question then. Um, What keeps you engaged and what keeps you coming back, particularly to Victoria Park Vixens and your, um, I guess your drive and purpose within women's football?
0: Yeah, I think there's obviously a lot of things that I still find frustrating about working in football, not, not in women's football, that's obviously really, really rewarding, but working in football, like a lot of the things that I've touched on earlier and a lot of those obstacles that still exist and, you know, it is still a male dominated industry. I'm sat in the office right now and everyone has started arriving and like, they're all men (laughs) as, as a point of reference. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just have to remind myself, like, you know, after some, like, particularly frustrating days in the industry, I will be like, oh, I just, like, I give up. Like, maybe I just shouldn't, you know, work in football. It's too hard. But then i got to remember that, like the reason why there's no women working in football is for this very reason. And until more women do and get more women in, it's never going to change. So that's definitely my drive in terms of working in women's football. It's so rewarding to be like a part of a change and a part of like something that actually matters. Like it may seem like just like an Instagram post that I'm doing that's covering some certain match or some grassroots team but like what if like that means that some girl down the line plays football if she wasn't going to like I think that's that's kind of how I try and think about it like I find that side of it really rewarding and then in terms of vixens it's just like the the girls and the team I think that keeps me going back like I love the way football makes me feel I feel really great playing it and kind of being creative with that and having fun on the pitch um But, yeah, it's just that community. It's a very kind of safe space and a really good sort of um, separation from, like, my work when I get there. I can just, like, chat shit with the girls and and play a good match. It's really good.
1: Yeah, that's nice. I love that. Um, When's your next kind of anniversary birthday for the club? Is that coming up soon or do you have, like? So,
0: yeah, it was actually in February. So next year will be our next one.
1: and that'll make that,
0: it. I think that makes it 2019. That makes it four years. Yeah. No, five years. Five I, years.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's,
0: that's big.
1: I think be something like a good celebration for a five-year.
0: Yeah, for sure. A big party or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exciting.
1: That's great. Um, so good. Um, do you have any last, any words, anything you want to like shout out, anything you want to talk about that's coming up that you find important but yeah any last shout outs or or things you want to like point to for the future
0: Hmm, um, I think I mean I've really been been beating this drum for a while now but I guess just like I think the women's world cup this year in Australia and New Zealand is like so exciting and so unique in the sense that like like how we were talking about Sydney 2000 like Australia and New Zealand, everyone keeps forgetting that it's also in New Zealand. <laughs> everyone keeps leaving that off. Um, is that we have such an amazing like relationship with sporting events and the way that we like host things that also like our culture around sport and not taking anything too seriously. Um, like I was I was reading about that broadcast that went on during the Sydney 2000 that was like Roy and HG the dream Mm
1: -hmm. and it was
0: basically like just taking the piss the whole time and I think you know the 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 Women's World Cup being in Australia and New Zealand there's definitely an opportunity for it to be a lot more sort of relaxed and not as cold as FIFA's sort of previous tournaments throughout history and also the fact that it's the Women's World Cup as, as opposed to the men's and also that it's the biggest women's football tournament ever. Mm. So I think it's just this like amazing, exciting opportunity. And if anyone's like not planning on watching it, then they absolutely should. Yeah. I think it's just going to be like a real spectacle when I think the Matildas are obviously going to be like amazing kind of poster girls for that as well. Mm. So it's kind of all I can think about. I'm very excited to see, to see what happens.
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely pretty iconic for sure. And it'll be like if anyone does miss it, regardless of being a football fan or not, I think you'll probably pretty soon realize you missed out on something kind of important. And yeah. it'll be kind of weird going to the pub like a few months later and not being like, oh, yeah, oh I yeah, missed that, sorry, kind of thing. Like, yeah. Kind of weird social situation.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I think it's also interesting like just from like a weird practical point of view, like I was explaining to my colleagues like the experience of Australian football fans living in Australia is that all European football is, like, the middle of the night or, like, early morning. And the idea that this World Cup is, like, in the evenings and and the daytime for Australians and New Zealanders is, like, that's really exciting because that's, like, a different experience of watching Mm. football Mm. for them. Like, you can't really watch the football in the pub, well, European football in the pub in Australia.
1: Yeah, no. So true. Yeah. I mean, I remember covering... More, the World Cup when it was in Brazil, I was doing, like, mm. a big job and they were playing a, when it was Australia got through, like, the men's team and I was having to go to pubs at, like, ugh, some ridiculous time, like, four in the morning to, like, yeah. games and, like, document fans and it was, like, kind of insane, really. Um, so for the fact that it would be, like, here live just the same as you would go and watch, like, AFL, which is, and you know, obviously as massive as it is, like, that's really exciting and like so world-class as well and it's funny like they just had the world cross-country here and they mm-hmm. had it Bathurst. first nice. and some of the, like the top you know olympic athletes of the world like world record holders were there and stuff like men and women and some people like i bumped into some people after and like damn i really should have gone like that looked great i'm like just go like you could have just yeah. gone it was so damn good and like this was never going to happen again for at least another 15 or 20 years because it's going to yeah, go exactly it's like just get involved like yeah it, you know yeah
0: absolutely yeah. You don't yeah. want to miss you don't want to miss these things
1: no no oh that's great yeah i'm keen i reckon that's um yeah that's a good shout everyone should get involved
0: yeah for sure <laughs>
1: Cool. Well, thank you so much for jumping on. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it's been so nice to chat.